The views and opinions expressed in this podcast are those of the individual guests. sensitive snowflake that may get easily offended and turn this off immediately. If you want to hear the real truth about the gun culture, then stick around. This is the Armed Citizen Podcast. What is going on, my Ghost Squad? Welcome to the Armed Citizen Podcast Live. This is episode number 186. Today's date is Tuesday, March 30th, 2021. We are live as always on YouTube and over on Facebook. So if you're out there, go ahead and leave a comment out there in the live chat. We don't know that you're out there unless you do say something. If you're watching a replay or listening in podcast form, then the conversation does not have to start or stop now. Go ahead and use that comment section below. Ask any questions that you might have. If you're in the live chat and you want to get a question to us and answer it or whatever, make sure you tag one of us in the panel and we'll make sure we try to get to that. You can call. Yes, you can call into the show or text into the ghost top. Golly, it's a long day into the ghost tactical hotline presented by our good friends, Rod and Shelly Gates at the gun That phone number is 530-364-4678. If you're a veteran and you're in that hole and you, you don't know where the light is, you can't find you're, you're you're doubting if there is light out there and you need someone to talk to. First of all, call, text, email, call me anytime, 24-7. I can't give you medical advice, but I sure as hell might be a pretty decent ear to listen and talk you through some stuff. If you are looking for someone that can get you in the right direction towards medical advice, please understand two things. Number one, you are not alone. And number two, the world is a much better place with you in it. So please contact the Veteran Crisis Hotline at 1-800-273-8255. It's going to be scrolling down below. 1-800-273-8255, the Veteran Crisis Hotline. As always, we're going to be spotlighting the United States Marine Corps. If you're looking for more information on what it takes to earn the title of the United States Marine, please see the website marines.com. And all of that. Tango Chaser out there says Semper Fi, 8086. Semper Fidelis, my brother. And uh, let's see here. What else? Oh, yes. Right up there. It says that we are a proud member of the Self-Defense Radio Network. If you're looking for mo- more pro-gun, pro-freedom, pro-Second Amendment podcasts out there, you've got uh, a bunch of them over there. The Plight Society podcast. You've got... Um, the Locked and Loaded Latinos. You've got the Get Off My Lawn with Sandy. A bunch of great, great pro-gun, pro-freedom podcasts in one place. Check out www.selfdefenseradio.net. I'm trying to get that down. It's taking me about three and a half minutes. I'm trying to get that under three minutes, but uh, I'm not that smart. I'm not that good at it yet. I'm going to have to keep practicing, I guess. Uh, we're welcoming our quasi-co-pilot uh, along for this fiasco. From the great state of Texas, the tactical virus, I mean, uh, Leprechaun himself. What's up, Clove? Sounds like you might need a vacation. I'm tired, man. It's been a it's been a long couple weeks. Uh, not a bad tired. It's just a lot of stuff going on at work and, and with the channel and everything else. And it's, 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 it's fun. I just got to 
it's it's we're coming out of that winter months where we would have gone to shot show and we would have had all the stuff going on with shot show we didn't have that this year so it's like it went from like winter time to like busy in like a two-week span and i didn't have that gradual like when you're getting ready for shot you have the build up for a shot show you have the wanamaker or you know a couple months before then you have shot show then you have after shot show i didn't have all that now it's just like all of a sudden we're here we're doing this and yeah it's just it's been you know how it is i mean hell it, yeah. it's just one of those things where i just need to get refocused i guess maybe i don't know right well uh less than two weeks bro tulsa oh man i cannot wait that will happen um oh, i kind of got focused in with you know three weeks ago going to the shooting sports showcase right so hits, i'm sure yeah that, that helped me out a lot uh even though i was basically alone there um speaking of that i did do the i did get the video drop today on time so i don't know what That's it is about tuesdays and not being able to do that but this may be the second or third week in a row i've actually got it done on time and uh it's a good one uh the very last one i know a lot of folks out there are like, thank God, no more videos from the shooting sports showcase. We're sick of them. Um, but the last one might be the best one because it's uh, kind of going over the range there in Talladega. Amazing. Pretty cool range. Yeah, I was watching that video and you'd already told me, you know, how nice it was. But actually getting to see the layout and pictures and all that, man, I, I got to get down there sometime. I've driven past it before on the highway, but never even thought about Matter of fact, it must have been right when it opened because this was in like 2016. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. And so it was a sign on the highway. I, I should have stopped, but I had a, a vehicle full of people, so I, I really couldn't. But uh, yep. Um, so midnight range up there. So sorry, I'm late. Was ordering me a uh, a nut snuggie. If you're not following um, him over on Instagram, it's a fun follow to begin with. Go check out Midnight Range TM. He put up a uh, an interesting type of snuggie. We'll just call it a onesie. It's a snuggie, but um, yeah, just go and just uh, just go and check it out. It's pretty interesting. So I I made a comment and said, "Oh, Christmas came early for roll call because we know that roll call loves his one piece snuggies." This is going to be a different kind of snuggie for him. So, um, yeah, there you go. Let's say hi to everybody out there before we get going and diving in. Um, if you're out there, I think Snob and Gary and several others out there, if, if you want to join in, you're more than welcome to. You have links in your email. Send them out way early today because uh, I knew I'd forget. But uh, PNW Woods is out there. Bernie's out there. Artak and Daughters is out there. Stephen Elder, Guitar Man Pete, Buck's out there. Uh, Joe Ziola, Gizzard Gary, Tango Chaser, which I mentioned, Snobs out there, Pat Hurst is out there, Double T's out there. Let's see here. I just said Midnight's out there. I wish he wasn't, but it is what it is. Um, I can't. I can't kick. Well, I guess I could ban him from the channel, but I wouldn't do that. He's a he's a good guy. I like him. A snuggie for your nuggies, pretty much. Yeah, pretty much. So tonight we're going to talk uh, optics and um, oh, he said he's still headed home. No worries, man. Uh, we're going to talk optics tonight. And I'm gonna, most of you know that I'm, I'm in several different groups um, on Facebook. And I know that people hate Facebook and all that, but there's some good groups out there and all that. But um, a lot of the topics in the last week or two, basically the last month, have been on different kind of optics and 
I think there's a lot of people that are are buying ARs for the first time. We're not going to talk just ARs. We're going to talk pistols, maybe even shotguns that people like to run optics on shotguns, bolt actions, whatever, um, and talk about optics, but not necessarily just optics in general, but describe the different kinds of optics and what they might be good for and the kind of person they're going to be good for and and uh, go into that kind of stuff. So um, it's going to be it's, – it's, it's an interesting conversation because – no matter what happens, you or I, Clover, could say, this is my favorite kind of optic. But depending on someone's eyesight, what they might have an astigmatism, um, they might be older, whatever. Optics are, are are kind of one of those where they're like triggers and they're like everything else. They're they're kind of what you're looking for. And, and everyone's eyesight's different. Everyone's uh, what they like to see, what kind of reticles. Uh, even within red dots and all of that, there are so many different reticles within the red dot game that a lot of people have been wondering what's a good one. So um, what I want to kind of start off with is, and I know that, you, you know, if you're, uh, let's start out like the ARs. I know you don't run many optics on your pistols, on your, uh, you know, you might run some on your bolt action and all that. But uh, when you're talking AR style, is it 300 blackout or 223 or even 22 LR, whatever you know you're going to be running 458 SOCOM for you? Have you gone through a bunch of different optics, whether it's red dots or holographics oh, yeah. or whatever different styles, and figured yeah. out what kind of your eye likes? I don't really care one way or another, to be honest with you. Um, you know, I'm a big proponent. I totally get what you're saying. I mean, some people. Uh, I did some filming today with a, uh, a single action pistol. All I'm going to say, Patreon people and, and you guys have access to that already. You know what I'm talking about. But let's just say a single action revolver, right? And so that blade, the blade and the notched rear in a single action revolver, and, and it's got to be getting old because it used to not be a problem. Uh, if I don't have a contrast between that front and rear, um, I, I'm starting to have an issue, right? Um that being said, if you're if you're if that's not an issue for you when you start out, and I know some people become firearm owners and start out late in life, I totally get it. I highly recommend learning irons and and all of that, uh, shooting with that as much as you can, becoming comfortable and competent with that as much as you possibly can uh, until that eyesight starts to go, uh, and don't rely strictly on optics uh, as a crutch. That's one thing that worries me about potential new firearm owners. Um, and even a lot of these new firearm channels I see, man, and it's all tactical poly, whatever stuff with dots and scopes. And you're like, okay, does this guy understand the simple mechanics? Because, you know, it's, it's a totally different game, you know, and you can utilize that optic, that optic can become a crutch. And so yeah. same way with triggers and other things, uh, other amenities, let's say, uh, that you mentioned, they can become a crutch of a big proponent of, of you know, honing your competency with as basic of a firearm as, as possible and really building up those those good fundamentals. Uh, that's it. Back to the to the it depends on the task at hand. I mean, we've talked about this when we talked about budget, uh, budget optics and budget firearms and all this other. It totally depends, man. Um, on ARs, I've got anything from, you know, four thousand dollar thermal to literally forty fifty dollar red dot. <laughs> And every everything in between, right? Um, right? So it's what is that rifle used for? Um, if I'm gonna go optic, um, a uh, a low variable power, uh, honestly, 
Um, or, and, and you know, I've got a, a Barska on my, uh, yeah. on one of my custom 1022s and man, shooting just still challenge or something with that is, is easy to do with that one power. Uh, both eyes open, not a problem at all. Um, so, you know, yeah, I mean, it, it for me, it runs the gamut. Um, but, you know, I would say that either either a low power, you know, variable or uh, a red dot, some type of red dot, uh, not yeah. holographic, uh, but, you know, tubed style uh, red, dot. red dot. Yeah, it's going to be something. I mean, smaller package, lighter weight and with both of those. Right. Um, mm-hmm. So, you know, that's that's kind of kind of my go to, I guess, if I had one. Yeah. Um, and, and I love what you, you started out with iron sights, you know, and that's something that if you're out there and you're new to firearms, especially the AR platform, um, before you jump into an optic, whether, you know, when, when you hear tube red dot, okay, so that's going to be something like this. It's the tube red dot and um, you turn this on and it, it's going to have literally a red dot. Now it could have several different types of reticles where you've just got the dot. Then you have the crosshairs. Then you have the circle dot and the circle crosshairs. But when you hear red dot, that's typically what uh, he's talking about. It is just something very simple. Red dot. It's lightweight. It's small. It has unlimited eye relief. Um, and so when we talk about eye relief, <clears throat> you're, if you're watching videos out there, that's going to be something that, is going to be important to some people, uh, especially when you start talking about LPVOs and all of that. Uh, with red dots, it's in, in holographics. You talk about all the holographics. That's the uh, EOTech 512. Um, we're going to go into all of these. But with unlimited eye relief, you're, you're talking about where your eye sits to the, the glass. And, and when you're talking about unlimited eye relief, you can go as far back as you want, and you're still going to be able to see that dot. Now, with eye relief with LPVO, you know, it's usually three to four inches. Usually is what they, they, they say is three to four inches. Sometimes up to five depends on the magnification and all that. Um, yeah, some of, them are, some of them are kind of, uh, some of them are, are quote-unquote handgun compatible yeah. or whatever. So it's, it's a lot longer eye relief. I'd say this real quick about that eye relief since you bring it up is, yeah, sure. you know, you need to be paying attention to the task at hand because if you're talking about like a competitive use, let's say, right. And you're in some awkward positions around barricades or under doors of vehicles or whatever it might be. Right. Um, the proper eye relief may be impossible with whatever position you find yourself having to shoot from. So, that definitely needs to be taken into consideration when you're picking whatever the optic might be for that particular firearm. Absolutely. And, um, and, and we're talking, um, and we, and we're just talking optics, you know, it doesn't have to be ARs or, or handguns or whatever, but yeah, I relief is going to be really important when you get outside of a red dot slash holographic game. These are going to have unlimited eye relief. And the, the worst thing that you can do when you start talking about a scope or LPVO is having issues mounting it to where you're seeing shadows around the edges. And that's really, you know, it, or you're only able to see half of the visual. It's going to be worthless to you if you don't get it right. So um, no matter what anyone tells you on YouTube, they say, well, here's where you want to mount it. Now, typically, you want to start out with the LPVO basically with this, as you can see on this one, 
right there at the charging handle. That's that's a good place to start with, especially with a collapsible stock. You can move your stock in and out a little bit. For me, I like to keep my stock right where it is because I have all of my AR pistols and ARs with the same length of pull. And we're not going to get down length of pull. That's a whole other discussion. Go YouTube it out there. Go uh, Google it. It, it, might be, it might be advantageous to elaborate on that a little more, though, quite honestly. I mean, we may have some people out there that don't understand because here's what I was going to say about that. So that does, you don't that want to. Help my relief, obviously. That, 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 yeah. Here, here's the okay. thing. I mean, you've got a natural when you, and, it, and it's related to the length of pull. Length of pull is essentially from the butt to the trigger right into the butt to the trigger and depending on that link your cheek is going to fall in a certain spot naturally when you pick that rifle up right and so you want to bring your optic to that natural point so length of pull totally matters as to where that optic is going to be mounted right totally. you don't want to i see it all the time that'll people the amount of optic and they pick that rifle up and they're moving their head around forward and back and you're like put the match the optic to the length of pull and then when you bring that rifle up, it's there every single time. You don't have to hunt for it. Yep. I, I like what I what I like to do. And it's going to be interesting depending on the optic itself. Um, I'll have my length of pull basically, basically the same through any AR or AR pistol that I have. I like a certain, and then I kind of know where it's at. For me, on a collapsible stock, if it's a three position, I like it right in the middle. It's, it's good for me. I don't have really long arms and all that. So right in the middle is pretty good for me. And so then once I get, I know that my stock's going to be in the same spot or my pistol brace, you know, whatever you're using, then I'll mount the optic and I'll find where I get the best sight picture. Now for a dot, especially like a tube dot, if I'm going to be doing CQB, I'm going to CQB, I'll be looking on top of this right over it. I'm not going to be looking through it necessarily while I'm scanning. Engage, yes. Um, but I'll look there. And so some some dots, depending on the size of it and all of that, some dots I'll have it right kind of there sometimes i'll have it all the way up there are some guns that i've had to put literally and it looks weird i know but i've had to put a dot at the end almost towards the muzzle and it looks like a weird ass front sight you know it, it's a red dot but that's where for me i got the best picture so <laughs> i don't use that dot on that particular ar pistol because i don't want my dot out there i want my dot <laughs> and this is not something you have to do but no matter what kind of optic, I want to say this, as far as mounting them, I've got I've got videos out there about mounting. Clover probably does. Everyone's got one. But the best thing that I can tell you is if it possible, if possible, try to mount your optics on the rail that's attached to um, the upper. OK, um, because that's going to have the most stability. It's not it's, it's going to hold zero. It's it's probably not going to have issues. If you start mounting it out on the on the rail on the handguard Picatinny, you're just asking for issues with gas, with with all sorts of stuff. So if you can try to mount it on the rail section that's a, that's attached to that upper. So, uh, that's just that's kind of a start a starting point. Go ahead. Yeah. So so this this concept fell into my head once upon a time with with archery training i don't remember but with archery you've got you've got a side on the bow and then you have a peep on the back or you of course you anchor the string at a certain point in your eye essentially so you've got the front sight would be the one on the bow your your one in the rear your rear sight would be your eye or of course the peep sight in the back right same as any other firearm with the front and rear sight when you're talking about like a red dot so here's the here's the thing with that 
um, as the as the distance gets further away from the front sight to the rear sight, that's increasing. Um, that's actually a good thing, right? Mm -hmm. And so, what am I thinking here? Somebody give me the word. I just mentioned it in the video. The sight radius. Uh, that increases your sight radius. For precision purposes, the longer the sight radius, the more accurate you're going to be with that, right? On the, on the contrast, the shorter it is, the quicker it is to pick up. Okay, so it, again, it kind of depends on what you're doing. Um, I've got uh, people out there have seen some pictures of my FAL and I've got an old school Trojan ACOG on it that's mounted quite a bit forward. Yeah. And they're like, that's silly. And I'm like, but it's a 308. I want more sight radius because I'm shooting a further distance. So that's why it's if it was, uh, you know, just an AR-15 or, you know, something like that. Yes, I would probably move that back a lot further than what it is. So just keep that in mind when you've got a red dot. That red dot is is essentially that red dot is your front sight and your eye mm -hmm. is the rear sight. That's a great way of putting it. Uh, great way of putting it. Um, when we're, let's kind of go into LPVOs since I've got one right here and, and um lpvos are something that i i'm getting into now I, I never did like them i've shot a bunch of them before i never did like them because i've always liked red dots or i like i love holographic I, I like a reflex an open an open-faced reflex really well especially for cqb but as you're getting older and you know th this is a one to four this is a one to six uh this is a one to four from monstrum and uh this i just got in i got in today literally in the mail today i haven't mounted it yet but i've kind of messed around looking through it i like it because it's a one to four which for me you know one to four is going to be great for out to about 200 250 yards um because your your natural eyesight should you know in, in normal people uh, are gonna is gonna be able to. I'm not saying you're gonna identify it as friend of foe, but you're gonna be able to make out a silhouette target at 200 yards. So one to four um, is gonna give you a great a great um, thing because you can go four and it's still gonna be able to not necessarily be like that scope. But you have one to sixes, one to eights, even one to tens uh, that give you the true one x magnification. It's gonna be just kind of like your normal red dot, but it's gonna give you the availability to zoom in up to on this one's a four times magnification um and one to six one to eight one to ten on other ones this is a one to six here i've got some one to eights coming as well for it and, and that's gonna be good you know one to six well out to about oh 400 yards or so and one to eights are gonna be great for four five hundred yards and more um and, yeah and, i mean and, you, you're good. talking about nom era snipers we're running ten yeah. x. We're running ten x. Right. You know what I mean? I mean, you're talking about they're they're shooting a thousand, eight hundred, a thousand. You yeah. know, maybe even further. Uh, running yeah. running ten x. Usually ten x. You nerdle was uh, what a lot of them ran. Yeah, and you're talking about having and just take, let's let's say this was a ten x. Um, you're going to have the availability to go from let's say zero one yard, five yards, whatever to a thousand yards without having to change optics to re-zero it's you know you're going to have to know your holds but a lot of them are going to have your hold spots whether it's a mill a reticle or a bdc they're going to have different holds for different yardages 
but you're going to be able to zoom in. And the reason why I wanted to start talking about LPVOs is the biggest thing that you get the questions on, and I see this a ton, is focal plane. And people have no idea what first focal plane is, second focal plane, what it really means, and what should they get and all that. And once again, we're not going to sit there and say what you should get because your eyes are going to work better. You're going to be looking for something. Um, <clears throat> but regardless, in an LPVO, you're going to see a number when you're looking at them, and it's going to be like 103 slash 100 or 115 slash 100 or 125 slash 100. And what that's going to tell you is at 1x, one magnification, when you're looking out this, you're going to be able to see at 100 yards. This one I think is 105. So you're going to see 105 feet at 100 yards. Okay? Field of view. Field of view, exactly. And what you're talking about when you start going magnification is obviously as you magnify, it's going to get smaller and smaller and smaller. Now, when it comes down to focal planes, then you have first focal plane and second focal plane. And we're going to talk a little bit about them. Um, first focal planes are usually typically, uh, Gabriel says they're going to be a little bit higher LPOs. Yes, because of technology. So basically when you talk about first and second focal plane, is first focal plane is when you're on one magnification, you're going to see that dot or whatever that reticle is, okay? As you zoom in, obviously the picture is going to get bigger, but in the first focal plane, so is the reticle. The reticle is going to grow and enlarge with the size of that picture that you're, or the target or whatever you're, you're, you're looking at down the scope. And where that comes into play is... A lot of people like it, and I think for a, uh, I would say I, I personally like second focal plane better uh, as I've gotten used to them. But I could see where first focal plane is going to be really nice for someone who's getting uses because, especially if you're going to run it, let's say a one to four, you're going to keep this on a, a two or three. You may not ever go down to that one X. You might keep it at two or three or even four at that matter. Um, having that that reticle enlarge with that screen, a lot of people like that because it's, it's going to be a better reticle to see this as an illuminated reticle as well so it'll be red or green so it's really going to pop uh, as you zoom in um when we talk about chlorine you want a first focal plane, plane first um do you like first focal plane what are some of, in your eyes some of the advantages and disadvantages of first focal plane so can i speak to magnification first since absolutely yeah go for it in on that so just like we talked about with, you know, your NOM era snipers running, running 10 X. Mm -hmm. And I would venture a guess that even a lot of, a, a lot of people in the military soldiers, whatever, still run 10 X on a lot of stuff nowadays. Now, obviously if it's on a 50 or a 338 Lapu or something like that, they've probably got something uh, that, that gets out there a little further, but um, a lot of people they're, over they're not gonna be running a one to ten, they're gonna be running a right. four or you know, right. they're a gonna fixed. start out a four magnification, a you know, yeah, exactly. a, a fixed, yeah, fixed. So uh, a lot of people get really hung up on a high power of magnification for whatever reason, right? And they say, Well, even at a hundred or two hundred or three hundred yards, if I've got a twenty-four power, twenty-six power, thirty-two power, I can really zoom in. Well, that's great. But the, that gets into first focal plane, second focal plane, being able to read that reticle versus the target. 
right? When you start getting at higher distances. And also you got to realize that as you magnify your, your sight picture, let's say you also magnify your errors. And True. if you don't believe me, take a scope that's not mounted. Everybody's done this right in the pawn shop or the Bass Pro or wherever. They just shut up a scope up and how hard it is to hold that thing steady, right? Well, it's going to magnify every little, you know, your heartbeat, your breathing, all of that's magnified the more you increase the uh, the magnification. So what – now, higher magnification to me has a place, right? Even though I might not shoot any more than, let's say, 10 power, I might not take a shot on anything more than 10 power, where the magnification is for spotting purposes, right? I can crank that up to 26 power to 32 power to whatever it might be to be able to, to, um, to be able to, to spot whatever I need to, right. I use that higher magnification and then dial it back down before I take my shot. Right. I can dial it up. I can get a better idea of what's going on. Maybe identify the, the animal, whatever it might be. Right. And then back it back down to where I'm, you know, it's a happy medium between it's, I can see it well and it's amplifying my error so much that the reticles all over the place. Um, now to talk first focal plane and second focal plane. Um, again, I get back into the gimp. Uh, you don't want to gimp yourself. And I feel that a lot of people that start off with it, you remember Charlie saying this as well. Uh, he don't like, he doesn't like first focal plane. Um, and it's because you start off, handicapped right you've got this piece of technology that doesn't let you build up the fundamentals of how scope works and range and ranging things and all of that right and so thankfully thankfully with the price of first focal plane stuff being higher than second focal plane right uh, and just the abundance of things out there available in second focal plane i don't think we're seeing a lot of that gimp people that might be coming in new right most yeah. of them go get the second focal plane stuff because it's cheaper they learn on that and then they graduate up so they build those fundamentals but that's what i would say about first focal plane and second focal plane again it goes back into learning iron sights to start with um i would say go second focal plane um go second focal plane mill dot is is my preference not mill radian uh mill dot and um or M, not an MOA, but mill radian is what I'm getting at. Um, with with mill dot, second focal plane, learn on that. And then I think you can, as you move into MOAs, as you move into the newer stuff, MOAs and um, BDCs. Yeah, at, at first focal plane and all of that, you're gonna be you're gonna be familiar. You've got the fundamentals you need to be able to operate that to its fullest fullest potential, right? Yep. Uh, now. He's talking about second focal plane. So let's kind of discuss what second focal plane. This is a second focal plane optic here. And once again, at 1X, you've got whatever reticle is in there, a mil, MOA, a BDC like this one is. Um, if you're wondering what the BDC, and, and, and I'll, I'll kind of, I can't show it because I don't want to pick that up. But just for uh, giggles, so let me get this to uh, a 1X. And I was trying to do it. I'm going to put my screen on here real quick so let me uh take this off so this is at 1x let me see if i can find it so i, I eliminated the reticle so at 1x that's what the bdc is going to look like so when you magnify it 
I'm going to go all the way up to 4X. Now, let's see here. There we go. You can see that not only is the picture going to get bigger, but that reticle is going to go with the, the magnification. So you're talking about um, being able to do that. Now, I'll, once again, I, I personally like a, uh, a second focal plane because of this. A second focal plane is, is when you are going to magnify that image, your reticle stays the same size. No matter if it's at 1X or 10X, that reticle is going to stay the same size. reason why I like that, I think where Clover is going with that is, once again, if you take the concept, which I really love, by the way, of using your your eye is your rear sight and your, your reticle is the front sight. I love that idea. Um when you're talking about second focal plane and why it's helpful probably is the picture is going to get better. Now with a first focal plane, I understand if someone maybe have eyesight issues where they're nearsighted or farsighted one, a first focal plane might work better for you. But if your eyesight's good enough to where you can pick up that reticle at one X, then what I don't like about first focal plane is as that reticle grows, it almost takes up too much of my sight picture. Okay. And, I, I want to be able to still, just like a, a, a front sight, you should be focusing on that front sight slash, you know, have that target kind of distort a little bit. But if that if that reticle starts growing and it's taking up most of that sight picture, sometimes your eyes can get distracted too much on the optic and the reticle versus the target. So right. I don't like having that reticle grow. Well, I think that there are definitely uses for them for certain people, for sure. Go ahead. Well, there's another there's another thing that I would say. Uh, it keeps everything consistent, and I think that's good uh, in a way. Kind of like I said, kind of depends on the the task at hand. If you're sure. talking about precision work, though, the the thinner that reticle is, the smaller that reticle is, the more precise mm -hmm. everything is. So well, if you're like if you're zooming in and blow if you're zooming in and blowing it up, I mean the the point of aim and the point of impact, the point of impact is going to be somewhere in that red spot, that huge red spot, right? right. Whereas if that doesn't grow, it's a more precise uh, correlation between point of aim and point of impact. That's what I'm getting at. And it's just like um, for red dots when you're zeroing it. Now you can run it however you want, but when you're zeroing a red dot. You want to put that, if it has different levels of brightness, you want to put that brightness on as low of a level, as, as dim as you can barely see it. And that's going to get you the best zeroing. Now, once you get it zeroed, if you want to crank it up a little bit, you can. But for zeroing a red dot, crank that down to the lowest level of light that you can actually see that dot. Yep. Um, once again, if, if you've got it cranked up, that dot's, a lot bigger than it is when it's really dim. So you take that for what it's yeah, worth. It's got, a, it's got more glow to it or whatever. Right. Now Delray out there says he's uh shaded colorblind. So he, he doesn't like red dots, but green and blue. Now this is something that I'm not colorblind, but this was at NRA was, I guess it was three years ago, whatever it was in Dallas. Okay. Is NRA at Dallas. And I was talking with the Holosun people there for a while. And that's when they first came out with their yellow dot. And I was like, yellow dot, that doesn't seem like that would be good for me and all that. And he goes, actually, it, it probably may not be good for you. Um, he said, there's a reason why they came out with the, the yellow dot or gold dot, whatever they called it. <clears throat> 
is that people that are colorblind, the one color that the vast majority of all colorblind people can see is yellow slash gold. It's not going to look yellow or gold, but it'll, they can pick that color up and it stands out. And so Delray, if, if, if you're out there and you're looking for a dot, you might want to go and try to find a yellow dot and see how you like it. Apparently, that works really well with colorblind uh, of, of all different kinds of colorblindness. But supposedly the science says that yellow well, slash gold dots work better. I don't interestingly know. enough, you know, um, you know, getting back into the Trigicon, I've got on the FAL, right? It's amber. Right. And then we're talking yeah. old. We're talking an old school, right? That's before before, the yellow, before the any of this tactical yellow, yeah. stuff we're talking about nowadays was really ever even right. thought of that thing come out and it's amber. And I've seen a lot of, of amber stuff, uh, you know, the blues, the greens, uh, mm -hmm. the purple, even seen a purple. That was pretty interesting. Um, mm -hmm. And so like there's the green every now and then. I like there's the green a, every now and then. You know, green is just to, to me, green is a. I don't know how to how to phrase it. I I can see red without a problem. Same here. Uh, I don't have a problem seeing red. But to me, green, if if you're talking about a competition use setting where you're looking at it constantly over and over and over and over, to me, green creates less eye fatigue. And I know that may sound weird, right? But it's just know. a cooler, it's like a cooler yeah. color. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's a yeah. cooler color and it gives off more contrast to me. And so my eyes don't work as hard looking through yeah. it or whatever. I, I don't know. It's strange to say, but you know, I do, I do prefer green. I have more reds than anything because that's the most abundant. Right. Yeah. Um, but I do enjoy a green. Yeah, I, I do too. I, I probably prefer green over red. Uh, if, if I've got an optic like this right here, it's got green and red. So I'll probably go green. Um, with it a lot of time for some reason yeah it just it, it, i i my eyes pick up green it's it's clearer to me maybe uh, than red is now delray says axion has tricolor this is an axion one to six by 24 um axion this is an axion um red dot axion makes really good products obviously clover and i are, are good friends with with axion and umarex and walther and that whole umbrella family but Axion is making some really, really good quality stuff for inexpensive. This is a one to six by 24 um, mil reticle second focal plane for 179. That right there is 179. Uh, and, and I like it so far. Um, so it's one of those that um, yeah, Axion is making some really, really good stuff. And uh, their lights are good. Uh, funny because we were, we're Clover and I have been discussing this lot. We both got sent a pistol light and there's been questions and I'm not going to go into it cause you'll have to watch Clover's video because I I've already put my kind of review out. His is going to come out and he's going to kind of go into, uh, marketing things that sometimes at companies, <laughs> not everyone are on the same page about things. It is what it is. Yeah. Um, so yeah, he's going to be doing that net floaters out there, mad sex. He's out there. There was, I think Mario, I want to go back real quick if I can find it. <clears throat> okay. Um, I'm still wondering why civilians want CQB sites or plate carriers. Let's face it. Most have never trained enough to be proficient. Just my opinion. I mean, honestly, I, I, I get the sentiment. I, I do. And the vast majority of people are never going to have to worry about having a plate carrier. 
the vast majority yep. of people are never going to have to go and clear a house CQB style. Um, but just because you may not ever have to utilize it, I think learning the skills now, plate care, that's, that's, that's up to you. Um, but learning CQB skills is not just about CQB. It's about scanning and being able to scan something without having to look through your optic. It's about reacting quickly and identifying threats quickly, friend or foe. And you got to train your mind to do that. Um, low, typically it's done in low light, being able to, to work a, a room or a house or a building in low light is incredibly important. These are all skills that you may not have to know. You might have to utilize, but knowing them are only going to make you better and more proficient as a firearm uh, owner and handler. So <clears throat> I do believe that, and, and let's, let's come down to it. Um, why do most people go and get CQB training and, and buy plate carriers? Honestly, um, be real. They, they, they probably have some unlived out fantasy of, being in the military or they they see a movie and, and it looks cool they like the tactical um side of things so they, they want to be able to have that but i i have absolutely no problem people wanting to go get cqb training or and, and they do the training they do it with their, their carriers on um because like i said you may not ever have to use it but wouldn't it be nice to have those skills in you case know, it's just I've like been, a carry gun. you may not ever have to use it but i'd rather have it and not need it than need it and not have it you know, my wife and I, my wife and I have been walking and I threatened, you know, I, I'm, I've said for a long time, absolutely. I've, got, I've got plate carriers and yep. I, for a civilian, I think it's one of the, probably the most worthless things you can probably get for most people. I don't ever see a legitimate time that I'm going to have to use that. Um, is it cool to have? Absolutely. 110%. And I'm all for it. I mean, I'm not going to sit here and tell you what the buyer not buyer that you don't need it um because right. only you know that and regardless of whether you need it or not needs and wants are two different things and we're red-blooded americans and we can have it by god go buy one um but back to what i was saying about the walk-in i told her i said you know i'd want to put a t-shirt or something on over it you know or wear something a hoodie or something over it walking i wouldn't want to walk down the highway with my plate carrier on but i thought you know that might actually benefit me you know, just by having the extra weight, right, and and walking, uh, as far as like working out type thing. So um, now, can you buy weight vests? Yes, you can. You can mm -hmm. go buy a dedicated weight vest for training. But if I've got a plate carrier, why, right? <laughs> so I'm going to be doing something uh, on Memorial Day uh, this year, and it's called the Murph Challenge. And uh, Lieutenant Michael Murphy was the OIC. Everyone's familiar with Marcus Luttrell and Lone Survivor. But if you remember the movie or you've read the book or you listen to Marcus talk, uh, his best friend was Mike Murphy. He was Lieutenant a Navy SEAL. He was actually the officer in charge of his team and died on the mountain. Obviously, obviously, Marcus was the only one that lived. Um, but legend I mean, people talk have been talking about this for years that legend had it that Murph uh, almost every day that he was inside the wire, like on in camp, not outside and doing his patrols, but in camp, every day he had, he would do the same PT and he would try to get other people to do it. And they were just, a lot of people wouldn't be like, screw that. But what he did is he put his plate carrier on and the plate carrier is going to call, is going to weigh about 20 pounds. Okay. 
when all your plates are in there and your mags, it's going to, it's going to be 20 pounds and it's it's not 20 pounds is a lot heavier than people think when you're talking about on your back, your shoulders and all of that. But what he would do is he would start out with a one mile run. He'd run a mile and then he'd go do a hundred pull-ups. I think it's 200. uh, Let's see here. hundred pull-ups. maybe 200 push-ups and 300 air squats and then go run another mile. And he tried to do all of that in an hour, all of it with this 20 pound plate carrier on. And so when he died, a couple of the, the, the guys on the teams got together and they started this Murph challenge on Memorial day. And it's, it's all across the country now. Um, and I was asked to kind of be a part of something and we're, we're trying to do it ourselves and then put our videos out there all on Memorial Day. I'll probably actually do it a few days ahead of time and, and, and then make the video and all that. But you're talking about exercising with it is it's not a bad idea, whether it's a, a heavy vest or whatever. If you're going to be active, push yourself, push yourself that to something that you may not think you can do and if you're going to go walk two miles and walking two miles gets boring for you after a while go put a a a heavy vest on or or do something a a flak jacket or a plate carrier a 20 pound plate carry walking two miles is going to be a hell of a lot different than it is walking without that so it's, it's stamina it's building up muscles um and doing all that stuff so yeah absolutely uh plate carriers um, hopefully you'll never have to use one. Are they worth buying? That's entirely up to you. I mean, you know, you they're can certainly, get, certainly affordable nowadays. That's for they're sure. affordable. They're much more affordable. You're talking than like, if you're talking about, yeah, sure. if you're talking about simple AR 500 plate. I mean, you know, yeah. it's, it's especially, yeah, you, can some go of and find, you can go and find AR 500 plates front and back for a hundred dollars. Yeah, yeah, I've seen $400. I've seen, then you I've go find a Condor $25 plate carrier, and for $125, well, you've got the whole setup. I've seen know? I've seen some setups before. Uh, I want to say AR500 Armor does them quite often. Is it Veritas uh-huh. or one of the other ones? Um, 99 bucks, free shipping, front and rear, and a carrier. Yep. Okay, occasionally. Like, I'd say maybe two or three times a year, you know, you Absolutely. see that. I mean, how, how quick do you need one, right? So wait for a sale, but... Um, yeah, and I mean, it's is, you know, is it military quality? I mean, you, know, you don't need it to uh, be. Well, here's the thing, and a lot of people talk smack about that. Um, if they're if they're rated, um, pay attention to the company. And I don't remember, I don't remember the rating, but if they have the rating on there, that goes the same through the same through government qualifications and everything else as FBI, ATF, Department of Defense. It, it's the same rating. Uh, that they do, they have to submit samples and stuff for that, right? That's so, um, you know, you're getting, you know, theoretically speaking, I'm sure that you know we've we've heard from, you know, folks that deal in AR500 steel that AR500 steel is not all created equal, uh, and true. obviously, and obviously, Spalding and and Buck's talking about trauma pads, and there's all kinds of other uh, oh, yeah. extras to the plates, right? Uh, arm. Yeah. yeah, that that make a difference as well, but you know, for most, for most situations. And, and at the end of the day, if you was ever in a hairy enough situation that you, I mean, it's better than nothing. Absolutely. It is. Uh, 
Mad Sex has got a question. I'm going to let you feel because I don't use them. I don't. I don't like. I, I wear my my shooting glasses are usually tinted. They're either dark gray or light gray. I don't like yellow, and I don't necessarily like clear. I like to have some tint for glare reasons and all of that. But Mad wants to know uh, for out there listening and all that. What are using? Okay, what about using the yellow shooting glasses like Clover has? Mm-hmm. How would that work out? And I think this is going back to where we're seeing the yellow reticles and the amber reticles, maybe for colorblind. But overall, uh, let's kind of dive down into that with the shooting glasses because the yellow lenses and different color lenses of a shooting glass are going to help clear or uh, help you see these reticles and the optics as well. Yeah. Um, I, I don't know. I don't, I'm not sure what he's getting at. Maybe he's getting that. Does it wash it out because you're looking through a yellow tint, right? And yeah. you've got to realize that that yellow tint is so close to your eye that it's not making as much of a difference. It's more or less, it's changing the definition of what you see rather than the colors on what you see. Um, and I'll give you one better. Um, I, I have, um, Usually I, I'm shooting with those those hunters HD gold, obviously, but I do have a set uh, that contains uh, some rose lenses, and a lot of shotgunners use rose lenses because they really make the orange on um, a sporting clay pop. I mean, that sucker it glows like it's radioactive. It's pretty cool. Um, but even if I use those, and you're really not supposed to use those, right? When you're you know for, for other stuff, that's really for shotgunning. Uh, but even if I use those, and I have before, um, whether you're looking at a red dot, green dot, I mean, with a red dot, because red is close to that amp, that um, orange color of a clay, uh, it, it does, I guess, highlight the red a little more um, than it would otherwise. I, and if it's an amber you know, dot or something like that, it does too. But as far as if you're running a green or something like that, again, it doesn't wash it out or cancel it out in any way. So, um and again, that's because those glasses are so close to your eye. So uh, that's kind of how that works that way. I don't want to get into ocular health and, <laughs> and everything. No, and, and you have other reasons why you wear those glasses, not just for shooting. Yeah, well, I mean, and, and once you understand that, that's what I'm saying with, with you know, and I don't want to, yeah, yeah, I don't mind shilling. Hunter's HD Gold's awesome stuff. But if you talk to them, they've been into the optometry game since like the 70s, right? And so right. one of the beautiful things of that friendship, knowing Brian and, and the conversations we had is he knows the, the human eyeball and the way it works. Right. Um, and so understanding it's kind of like Delray Dan out there. Some others have talked about uh, with people's eyes being different and just kind of learning normally. Anyway, people can have deficiencies and different things going on and eyesight can deteriorate. Different things can happen. But normally with with normal ocular help, let's say, um, yeah, the color of your glasses uh, when you're talking about actual shooting glasses don't make yeah. that much of a difference. Now, if you get into some off the wall things for fishing or, you know, industrial work or something like that, then yes, those aren't shooting glasses. So those are designed, the lens tint and everything else is designed in a little different way. So hopefully that explains it. Yeah. Uh, defense that says, I still can't do red dots. I wish I didn't have such a bad astigmatism. Yeah. Um, I don't have one. But I know people that do, and everyone swears that the prism sites are the only ones that people can use with astigmatism. Um, and we're, we're uh, prisms are are, are nice. That I don't have the astigmatism, so I don't I don't get that medical physical benefit 
from a, a prism scope. What I will say about most prism scopes, especially if they have the etched reticle, those are going to be nice whether your battery runs out or not because that etched reticle is going to be there to pick up um, whether your battery runs out or not. Um, so if you have that bad astigmatism, go check out a prism site, okay? Uh, everyone that, like I said, I can't verify, I can't do all of that, but everyone that I know that have astigmatism swears that prisms are the only ones they can use. So uh, there's that. So the next one we're going to talk about is a holographic. And uh, this is an EOTech 512. Um, this has been for the longest time my favorite um, optic. And you can see it's a, it's a holographic site. It's a holographic reticle, uh, the circle dot. Now, with a holographic, um, the reticles are going to be a little bit more fuzzy just in general because it's, it's a holographic. It's not an LED um, light like a red dot is. Um, but the one thing about this is, is if, if, if you're going to have a battle rifle, um, that you're not looking to go into LPVO where you're going to get different magnifications. You just want a dot and you're going to be calling it a battle rifle or whatever. Be willing to spend the three or $400 you're going to have to spend for EOTech. And here's why. When it comes down to a, a Red Dawn scenario, battle rifle, whatever, um, the great thing about a holographic site is if the front glass gets broken, the holographic reticle is projected up and you can see it it's not projected through mirrors onto the glass it's projected up so if that front glass gets broken in a crazy um what do you want to call it uh, red dawn shit hits the fan whatever if that if, if a front glass gets broken in a red dot that is a paperweight it is literally worthless because it has to reflect off of mirrors and project onto the glass for you to see it holographic that front glass can be broken and you're still going to see that reticle um the one other good thing about this now it really doesn't matter anymore because these little um 20 32 little batteries that all these red dots run on you can get them for nothing at dollar general now so they're very rarely a few years ago they weren't as available where this eotech runs on double a batteries and it and it's it's great. So everyone can find AA batteries for cheap or you can take another remote or whatever. But when you're talking about the advantage of a holographic, that is the biggest advantage of a holographic is if you're going to use it for war fighting or, I mean, I'm not saying you're ever going to have to do that. But if you ever think that you're going to be in that scenario where um, I, I have to have that glass working, that right there will work without that glass. Now, I know that you're not a huge fan of holographic, Um can you go through the process as to maybe why you're not a huge fan of holographic sites? Uh-oh. Yeah, no, I'm still, I'm still oh. here. Oh, okay. I was like, oh, we might have dropped them. Um, no, I mean, I'm, I I wouldn't say I'm, I'm not a huge fan on any of them, though. It's kind of like you know, what right. I said earlier. So I don't I don't know. I don't necessarily have an issue with it. Um, you know, with, with any of the, like the holographic, the, the reflection factor, I don't know. I don't know how to put it. Right. Uh, but when you get into the glass and then you're talking about the sun being behind you, uh, you get into those type situations. Um, that's, that's one of the things that bugs me with things like that. Sure. Sure. Uh, now Buck out there says you need a 
to rattle can that, that it looks bad on the battle rifle. Well, I'm not going to, after I get done with all of, I'm going to have comparisons. I've got two one to fours coming in, two one to sixes, and two one to eight. So I have six LPVOs coming in all in the next week or so. I already got a couple of them in. We're going to be doing comparisons on LPV. First of all, we're going to be doing videos explaining what LPVOs are, the benefits of them, uh, what could be the downsides of them, how they work, how to zero. It's going to be a huge series. It's going to be about a 15 to 20 video series when it's all said and done. But we're going to do comparisons of the two one by fours. Uh, so we're going to do comparisons within the magnification. <clears throat> we're also going to do comparisons on price points where you might have a one to six that's the same price point basically like this. This Monstrum is about the same price point as this one to six. This is a one to four, one to six. This has illuminated BDC. This has a mill uh, reticle, but they're within $20 of each other. So we're, we'll do a comparison on price, not necessarily if they're the same kind of optic and all that, which will give you guys an idea. But until that's done, I'm going to keep them all how they are from the factory. And then once I get done, if I decide to throw one on here permanently, then I'll probably, whichever one I decide to go with, I will probably um, paint it up to to match the uh, the battle rifle itself. But yeah, I get it does kind of stand down. It does kind of look weird. Uh, but most people have been used to seeing that on there for so long. Uh, I've had this on there for probably three years, um, maybe longer, four years. I don't know. It's been a long time since I've had this on there. So it's been on there forever. But yeah, it does look different, but I'm not going to do any painting with them until I figure out which one I want, if I am going to put one on, which one I'm going to put on that particular rifle. Um, now, Delray says, let's see here, uh, Nebraska Gun Freaks out there. What's up, homie? Um, uh, let's see. Dan says, I want to buy a Chevron reticle optic. Any recommendations? Um, now when you're talking the Chevron reticle, that's almost like the ACOG is that's kind of what he's referring to is the ACOG with the Chevron that mm -hmm. little, yeah. So Trigicon makes well, there's several companies that, that utilize that, I believe, but yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. But Trigicon makes a phenomenal ACOG. I'm not a big ACOG fan. Um, I, the actual reticle ACOG reticle does not look fit my eye. Great. They're wonderful. I just don't really, really like them. Trigicon, if you're talking about a higher end, I, I'm going to let Clover come in here in a second. I know he's got one. But the higher end, Trigicon is one of those that for the price of the higher end, you get value versus price. Trigicon's amazing. Primary Arms has one. There's a bunch of companies that have the ACOG reticle now. Um, but I think Trigicon is the one that... Um, uh, the Marine Corps still used. Now, they are actually, uh, ironically, the, the Marine Corps has, uh, they are going to a 1-6 to six LPVO starting later on this year or next year. But they have finally forever, they've with, with the Trigicon ACOG, they are moving to an LPVO and all of that. But I would say um, if you've got the money, um, the Trigicon ACOG is, is value versus price, probably the gold standard of ACOGs. Uh, I want to bring you in. You've got a Trigicon, but you probably have other ACOGs as well. Um, let's talk ACOGs for a second. Okay. 
Sorry, I was drinking. Um, your yeah. your experience with with a Trigicon is an older school Trigicon, but obviously they 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 are gonna they're gonna work. But when it comes to ACOGs, do you have one that you would recommend to someone who's never really shot one before? Yeah, well, I'm thinking. I mean, the price is so up there. You know what I mean? It's yeah. so you know the the one I've got the one that I'm talking about on the FL anyway anyway is it's a Treasure Gun ACOG Reflex. So we're oh, talking no. about okay. we're talking about old school Jack. We're we'll literally we're talking late eighties early nineties. Yep. Um, yep. Now you know if you talk about what most people envision when they hear ACOG uh, is the you know four to thirty two. You know, something like that. Um, and, and to be honest with you, you know, you're talking about the LVPOs. Um, nowadays, and especially considering budget-wise what you can get into an LVPO for. Yeah. You know, it, it almost it almost it's one of them things where unless you're just really trying to pimp out and you like the name and you've got plenty of money in your pocket, it don't make no sense going with like a Trigicon 432 ACOG. It just doesn't. You're you're going to be spending eight hundred to a thousand dollars for yeah. a, a really solid ACOG, and then you've uh, got was it Brow? Happy birthday, Sarge! Happy birthday! I forgot to tell her. Uh, I sent him a text earlier today. Uh, Sarge over at C4 Defense. It is his birthday, so everyone blow him up on Facebook, Instagram, YouTube. If you have his number, his cell number, text him. I, I sent him a text early this morning. I don't think he really appreciated it. Um, but happy birthday, Sarge! By the way, sorry. Go ahead. Well, I was just going to say you've got uh, you've got the Brow optics uh mm -hmm. too which are very similar i think they call it the combat optic or something that's really similar to the the modern acog but again mm -hmm. they're just as pricey if not more than treasure con they so they are. <laughs> you know it's like i don't know does nc star does those people do they make something like that it's like yeah but i think you're getting better quality out of an lbpo for the same amount of money yeah and i think that that's i, I have been hesitant i'm not gonna lie i have been hesitant to jump in the LPVO game because I like well, dots. I well, like my field of view as well. I like that open field of view um, and all of that. But I, I I understand one. First of all, my eyesight isn't what it used. I used to have twenty ten vision. It's not there anymore. I can start seeing like up close, especially uh, things are, are, are iffy sometimes. Um, well, you're talking about having the best of all worlds. So it's just we get that one to eight. You you don't have to run it at eight eight magnification. You can run it at two or one or three, whatever, but you have the availability to do so many more things. Uh, go ahead before I, I got to jump into a question from Netflutter, but go ahead and. Yeah, and I was just going to say real quick the the what I was talking about earlier, that bar scope one to four thirty two. Yeah, uh, yeah. What is it's It is an LVPO. It's one to four by thirty two. Yeah. I've had that since before LVPO was even a term. Right. right. So I've had LVPO before that was even a thing. Um, Fud so Life, right? Yeah, that's interesting because I I I totally went into LPVOs, and the most important thing people are gonna say, what the fuck is an LPVO? Low power variable optic, right? LPVO. But so like I said, I, that wasn't yeah. an acronym or yeah. a thing. No. It was when this come out, and I got this four or five years ago, whatever it was. Yeah. It, was a, it was just it was just years ago. It was a what one to four by thirty two compact scope. That's what it was called, yeah. literally. Exactly. And then, and then somebody Burris and. And all of these companies come along and they started calling it the LVPO because it sounded all tactical, right? Right. And right. they sold more by just calling them LVPOs. That's that's what happened. Let's be honest. They yeah. the, the actual scopes have been around a long time. They have. Um, um, 
the the good thing about it, like I said, is you're getting the best of of maybe all worlds uh, if you find the right one with the right reticle, whether you like it illuminated or not. You know, you you need to do the research. But like I said, you know, for two hundred dollars. There are a bunch of them, whether it's first focal plane or second focal plane. There are some great LPVOs out there that are phenomenal. Um, just have to get used to to looking through a scope and, and, and adjusting. Now, NetFlutter out there says, um, would it matter if you zero the red dot while using the magnifier behind it, or should you go without magnification? Um, I think it all depends on who you ask for. Um, now, if you're going to go, uh, technically, it shouldn't matter. If you're going to do it, let's let's just take a hundred yard zero, okay? If you're going to zero your your LPVO um, or any magnified or variable magnification scope, um, it shouldn't matter. I typically um, have seen and talked to once again i'm new to lpvos okay i'm not acting like i'm an expert because I, i'm new to them but everyone that i've talked to and everyone that i know that has used them they most everyone will say and i'm clear i want to bring you in because you have experience with with them as well as magnified actual long range scopes but most people i talk to say go ahead it, it doesn't matter whether you're on 1x or 4x let's say on this one but most people say go ahead and throw it on 4x to zero it um, but it should not matter. Honestly, it should not matter what what magnification you're zeroing. But most people that I have been talking to say that the best practice is to zero it with whatever the maximum magnification is for that optic. Uh, I want to bring you in and talk about zeroing variable optics. What what would you say? Okay, he might have stepped away. Yeah, I'm, so, yeah, I'm here. Oh, okay. um, I thought you might have to go use a restroom or something. <laughs> I always, I I've always heard the opposite. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I've I've always heard the opposite. Um, and and you got to realize that we're not talking about a one to four necessarily. We're sure, talking about sure. a three to nine, or we're talking about a six to yeah. fourteen, or we're talking about an eight to twenty four. Who knows? Yeah, exactly. Um, so you know. That's a massive, massive jump to be zeroing that in on the on the highest magnification. Um, what I tend to do is I tend to zero, um, and this goes really for all optics, not just LVPOs. And we're we're supposed to be talking about all optics tonight. For some reason, right. we got hung up on LVPOs or LPVOs yeah. or whatever. Um, yeah, you know what I'm saying. But yeah. typically, I've got a range that I shoot from. Like I talked talked about earlier right so let's say i've got a 4 to 16 power well i may max out on that 4 to 16 as far as shot taking a shot at eight right, right sure. so if i do that then minimum is four maximum is eight uh probably six, zero, six? that's where yeah. i'm gonna zero yeah sure. yeah that sure. way i've got lead way one way or another within my effective shooting range and then like i said the odds of me taking a shot any anything over eight because uh, I do not believe in the over magnification thing when it comes mm -hmm. to actually taking a shot. You you need to have enough magnification to get it done, and that's it. That's plenty. Yeah. Um, now, I think that this is where the zeroing co comes in, where maybe first focal plane 
has an advantage over second focal plane possibly uh, when you're zeroing is when you when you do magnify that image the reticle is going to magnify as well maybe that's a, an advantage and, and I'll, I'll find that out here uh, this week when I start going to do some comparisons but maybe the the first focal plane does have an advantage in the zeroing aspect um, when you're magnifying up so we'll, we'll find that out um, Dan says I look in the LPVs which brand did you get? I'm going to have six of them come in. Um, so I've got um, Axion. This is a one to four. This one is a Monstrum, a one to, no, I'm sorry. Axion is a one to six. The Monstrum is a one to four. I've got a Swamp Fox coming in. I've got a Bushnell coming in. I've got a Hilux coming in. And there was another one. I forgot about the other day, too, when we were talking. Um I try to get Vortex, but Vortex uh, did not reply, so I'm not I'm not good enough to get Vortex. And then I'm not going to go buy a Vortex. Um, that's just what it is. Um, what was the other one? Uh, crap. You know what's weird? Is I got a Vortex I got again. Yeah, I got. Yeah. A, I, they sent me a Vortex Viper like two years ago, yeah. and I did several videos. I've got it on my Glock 17 now. Uh, yeah. I, I I can't get the time of day from them since. Isn't that weird? Yeah. It's like yeah, I've grown. I've got more viewers. I get more views, and yet I'm not for for some reason now. I'm not good enough. So I don't. <laughs> they changed their policy, I guess, on how they deal with people. I don't know. Um, I, I think what's going to happen at the end of that, I was talking with Lance out there off the X. He's out there as a buddy of mine. Um, we shoot a lot together, and uh, we were talking the other day. We were at the range. Uh, not shooting X. We were looking at having to replace a door or a, a trailer for a Connex box at, at, the, at the pistol range. But anyways, um, we were talking about, he's like, I, I've got six of these LPVOs coming in and, and I doubt very seriously. I'm going to have, I want to, I'm going to want to put six LPVOs on six different rifles. I, I, cause I still love holographic. I still love red dot. So, uh, I've, I doubt very seriously that all six of these LPVOs we put on rifles full time after the testing's done. Um, so I said, Hey, you know, maybe when we get done, I'll let you pick one out and he can have one. Uh, but I'll probably be giving one away as well. Um, at least one out to especially probably the patrons. Uh, so if you're a patron over there, I might be giving one of these away when it's all said and done, uh, as an LPVO. Cause like I said, I'm not going to have the need for six of them. Um, but yeah, um, but yeah, uh, let's throw out there with, with magnifiers. So um, now I ran this holographic forever with a 3X magnifier, which kind of gave me the magnification, which was great. The problem with a magnifier is, is it's fixed at 3X. You know, if you wanted to go to that two, there wasn't in a way is either going to be one X or it's going to be three X when you flip over that magnifier, but magnifiers are a great way to, to get that magnification with a, uh, with a red dot. If you've got a red dot that you really do like or a hollow or whatever, you've got a dot system that you really, really do like. You don't really want to go and, and buy one of these and all that. you just like your LP, but you would wish it was magnified. Then go get, you can go and buy, Man, there's so many of them. Bushnell's got a goon for about 150 bucks. I mean, obviously, uh, EOTech's got one, but it's like $300. But there are some ones on Amazon, and I wouldn't go crazy treat cheap. Um, 
I've got one on another one. It's a UTG. I paid like $75, and it works great. A little 3X magnifier. Um, but I think for the price value, Bushnell's got about $125 to $150 3X magnifier that's phenomenal. Um, but, yeah, you can go find a 3X, a 3X multiply, uh, magnifier to put on your red dot. If, if you want to keep your red dot going but you wish it was a little bit more you know, then yes, just go get a 3X magnifier or a 2X magnifier or whatever magnifier you want. And that's going to give you the differences is I can go anywhere from one all the way up to four on this one. One, one and a half, two, two and a half. Where when you're talking about a magnifier, you're either going to be at one or you're going to be at three or whatever that magnifier is. So just keep that in mind as well. Um, Steven says out there, um, put this up on the screen. I want a three-dot triangle laser that the alien and predator the movie it is so cool. That is pretty cool. I think um, I they have think those. I don't. I don't of, know who. I don't know who makes them, but they do well, have those. Pat says, Pat says that he thinks that Vortex, yeah, like, it works. Oh, I know um, somebody who has them, but I can't there. think of. They're out there. Um, you're gonna pay for them too, though. You're gonna pay maybe. for them. Maybe a Google search. I want to say it's a cheap company that has it, though. It's like, oh, NC really? Star. Yeah, I want to say like NC Star or somebody made one. Uh, yeah. Interesting. Yeah. But uh, there's a lot of stuff that um, are funny because we talk about different things in movies. A lot of times, movies take what's something that already exists and then just like stupefies it. But a lot of the times when they stupefy it, it actually turns out being, wait, wait a second. That, that's actually a pretty cool idea. Like, what if we did that in real life? It's not just a movie prop. And then there's a company that says, well, let's make it and try it. And then next thing you know, um, if you think about it, Han Solo had one of the very first pistol optics that you could find. Mm-hmm. It didn't exist at the time. But uh, his blaster had a little scope on there, um, which is kind of the, the idea of putting a scope on a pistol in 1976 or 1777 was unheard of, I'd imagine. I was only two years old, so I can't imagine, but I'm sure it wasn't okay. exactly. Oh, go ahead. No, I was just going to say, I take that back. What I've seen is from Beamshot, and it is, it's actually a legit, it's a laser. So it's legit like Predator had. It projects it onto the target, three dots. It's okay. Called from beam shot. Um, beam, like B-E-A-M? Beam B-E-A, shot? like a light beam. Beam shot. Okay. Yeah. Tri beam laser uh, from beam shot, about 110 bucks. That's not bad at all, actually. And uh, you could really freak somebody out because they would think the predator's hunting. hunting you know, is it a handheld or is it a rail mounted light? It's a rail mounted light. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Interesting. Yep. Cool. Laser, not a light. It's a laser. Right. That's that's very very cool. Yeah, I had um, to go find it because I'm like I know I've seen those before. Yeah, that's pretty cool. I, 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 I yeah, <laughs> Beam, yeah. I have to go check that out myself. Uh, that would be kind of cool. Uh, I'm not see, a fan. I'm not a fan of lasers at all. I don't either. I've got the, laser light combos. I've I will never put a laser so, on. So so they're good for a you few things. IR with NVGs, but I don't have NVGs. So I'm not going to wear an IR Maybe, but, but even then, I mean, the, the problem that I have with a laser is 
is a laser is is rough because you've got bullet arc, bullet arc right? right and so the, a laser is straight <laughs> and so yep. you know you got to to figure that you know it is it, it's going to give you a false reading right it's, it's a false sense of security in my opinion because you know you, you put one on a pistol let's say you're at 10 yards and you move back to 15 and then the it can be drastic and then you move back to 25 and if it's even worse you know what i mean and, and oh, by the way, um, you have to zero that laser as well. Yeah, and it will at that, and it gets harder to see the further away you are. You're going to see a red yeah. dot at a hundred, you know, projected on something at a hundred yards. <clears throat> so, and as they get further out, they get it gets bigger. Yep. The area, the area that's covered, a lot of people don't realize that either. And so, like for a designator purposes, so like if you're running, um. If you're running night vision, uh, say, let's let's infrared, say infrared laser. Yeah, with vision, you um, get that having that's having I'm going to do that. Having a handheld unit or somebody being with you and somebody lighting up that pig, um, you know, with with an infrared designator while you're you know you've got the night vision on. Uh, oh, amazing, right? Uh, or even using it. Uh, you know, I know people that have used like green lasers, for example. Um, and use regular hunting scopes, maybe an LB, uh, an LPVO like we're talking about, right? And have somebody light up a, a pig or whatever it is from, you know, 50, 100, 150 yards out with a green laser. And, of course, when that light hits, you're able to see that's enough light that it's picking up through the scope and you're able to take a shot. So uh, right. you effectively can turn a regular scope into almost a night vision scope. Uh, take easy, take it easy, Delray, to head out for dinner. Uh, see you soon buddy yeah um for me um like i said the only time that i would ever run a laser is if i was running ir with mvgs that's just that's the only reason and and, and i don't plan on needing to do that ever in a civilian world i'm just saying um yeah i don't lasers, lasers to me in cq most people knows that my my kind of bread and butter and and i'm not gonna say i'm an expert so i'm not gonna say my expertise but um what I am best at is CQB. Okay. Um, and lasers are not good for CQB. In my opinion, when it gives away your location, um, there is no reason for a CQB that you're going to need to designate because you're reacting. Okay. So if you're walking through CQB, the laser, people can see that later. Like, hey, fool coming down from the hallway. Let's, let's smoke them, you know? Um, so I don't, I won't, I won't like this right here has a, a light laser combo, but it's set on light. It is not going to see a laser. Um, and that's just me. I, I don't like lasers. I, I don't think that they're bad. I, I just don't think they're practical. They're certainly not practical for what I would use them. For. Well, then again, and you got to be able to see it. Like I, you know, I can get, yeah. and I've got lasers here, but I'm telling you at 10 yards on a paper yeah. target in the Texas sunlight, sunny sky. You're not going to see it. You can't see the laser. You can't see the red dot because the the sunlight, you know what I'm saying? It washes everything so bad that you just can't yeah. pick it up. Yeah. The the only thing that I'll say that I think that could possibly be decent is for someone who's carrying, and I would even say an older person or a female uh, that's carrying, especially if they're at night and they, they're leaving work or they're out at night, that laser can be a deterrent in itself. Okay. Now we all know that we don't want to point at anything 
that we don't intend to shoot. But sometimes if we intend to shoot that person, but sometimes you point that at them and they see that laser on their chest, they might run away and you've ended that threat with just the laser. Um, I could also possibly see um, a laser being at 10 yards because most lasers are roughly zero. They say a factory at about 10 yards um, at a 10 yard mark, being able to, you know, get that, laser on someone it's going to help aiming maybe you can't see you don't have night sights on your your pistol well, you can't necessarily see the sights really well that laser but once so, again you're talking about a crutch that if you're learning yep. to shoot the laser you're not learning proper mechanics to begin with so yep. i'm sorry go ahead no 100 100 percent. it, it kind of gets back into what we were talking about earlier with uh uh with eye relief right yeah. uh with like a a you know something parallax free so it doesn't matter what awkward position you're shooting from, right? So yeah. with a laser, you could shoot from around the corner, right? Pretty much yeah. with a laser. So, you know, an awkward position shooting from the hip, if you had to, if you know, you, you're able to do that. So it provided you're in an, in an environment, like I said, if it's during the middle of the day, you know, are you going to be able to see that? Or, and, and here's my other, my other thoughts is, <sighs> If you've got good muscle memory with that, do you really need it anyway? That's right. Because right? we all it's it's point shooting, right? And so I, I'm, I, I, yeah, it's it's in under in under ten yards right here. I'm not going to be sighting it anyways. Yeah. So I say in under ten yards. So they say three, right? Three is the average. Three yards is the average distance, right? So definitely three to seven, I would say. I could shoot from the hip, quick draw any number of things and hit the silhouette style. Yeah. Absolutely. You know what I'm saying? And hit the silhouette. So at an encounter that's closer than that, I mean, it's lights out without a doubt. And so at that point, is it really needed? But if it makes them, here's the, here's the biggest thing. And this is the takeaway, regardless of the optics we're talking about. If it gets you out shooting more, if you enjoy it, if it makes you more proficient, it if helps it helps you see better, dude, absolutely. Dude, dude hey, more power to you. More power to you. I ain't going to talk you out of it. If buying a $5,000 thermal is going to get you out and shooting every day, yep. Yep. go buy the damn thermal. Yep. It's worth it. It's yep. worth it. You know, uh, so we're not, we're not, I'm not here. I know Clover's not, we're not here to tell you what you should choose, whether it's a red dot, a holographic, an LPVO. We're not here to tell you what to go get. We're trying to describe and help people understand the difference of them. Maybe what are some benefits? What are some downfalls of the different style optics? Um, we didn't even now, go into parallax, and, and, and do we want to go down that rabbit hole? I don't know. I do want to. I do want to talk to you know night vision thermal because um, we talked about designators and stuff earlier. So you know, I, I would say this, and at the end of the day, do what you want to do. But this is coming from this is coming from years of experience and literally thousands of dollars spent. Um, save your money in a coffee can, put something on a very, very long-term layaway, um, whatever it might be. If you're thinking about nighttime stuff, go thermal and be done. Go thermal and be done. You, your different lights and designators are going to blow a whole lot of money, and then you're going to eventually graduate in something else, probably night vision. Again, you're going to spend a whole lot of money, and you're eventually going to graduate and and find out that thermal is the you're beast. You're going to get the thermal anyway. So and you're going to get the thermal anyway after spending hundreds, if not thousands of dollars to get there to then spend thousands of dollars. So right. if you can go ahead and take the plunge and just get into thermal, just do it. Yeah. 
Yeah. Um, I've, I've shot the Thor four. Is that what it's called? The, 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 the generation, I guess is the fourth generation that Thor buddy mine's got one. Right. Man, dude. Yeah. I yeah. personally would have no use for it. I don't hunt. Um, like I said, my expertise, my comfort zone is 300 yards and in more CQB than anything. So the thermal would not give me something that would be beneficial, but they sure as hell are fun to shoot, man. They well, really and I'll tell you, I'll tell you another thing that, that it makes them really handy is, you know, you can pop those off the firearm and mm -hmm. you might have critters. You're trying to figure out what's going on around your house. Yep. Uh, bumping the night. Telling you right now, you are not hiding a, whether it's a critter, a human or anything. <laughs> you ain't hiding from the thermal jack. It ain't happening. It ain't happening. Right. So, uh, that's one of the beautiful things is, is I can't tell you the number of times I've used my stuff, not even mounted to a firearm Yeah, for, oh, sure. what, for whatever reason. Sometimes it's just watching nature, you know, it's just watching, you know, I'm watching deer. I mean, obviously we can't hunt deer at night. Right. But it's watching six deer graves in the, you know, in the pasture across the road or something like that. You know what I mean? And it's just sure. sitting there watching them. And it's like, it's cool because it's like, it's pitch black. They're a hundred yards away. <laughs> you know, they got no clue. I can see them. It's, it's clear as daylight. They got no clue. I'm there. Whatever. Um, it's awesome. You know, you were speaking of, of utilizing for outside the firearm. So I've got a couple of one and eights coming. I don't see myself. Honestly, I, I might be pleasantly surprised. I don't see myself enjoying a one to eight. I don't see myself having to use an eight magnification sure as hell don't probably don't need two of them. So if I do mount one, let's say I'm going to go get a six, five Creed. I want to put that one to eight or one to 10 on a six, five Creed to reach out to 800 to a thousand yards. Cool. I'm good with that, but I don't need two. but I never thought about that. You can go get a one to eight or a one to 10, hell, even a one to four, one to six. But if you go get like a one to eight, one to 10, you could utilize it as a spotting scope. Yep. And, you know, for sure. Yeah, um, we just kind of you a, need to rig up, rig up some kind of mounting system to stabilize yeah, it. You know. Stabilize it, but yeah, yeah, but I mean, the idea of being able to utilize your optics for other things outside of just shooting them from a, a rifle, um, I never even thought about that. But I mean, that could be a really cool. Well, they make you know a spotting scope, but you know, well, they make picatinny adapters. They make picatinny adapters for a camera tripod. I do know that for a fact. So you well, put a you, you put a you put a one piece uh, adapter on your scope mm -hmm. on a on an adapter for a tripod. Screw it into the tripod, and you've you got yeah, skin. you've got a spotting scope. Yeah, no, one hundred percent. Now you know with the with the one to eight, um, you know the only thing I see that potentially good for is some of the competitions that are out there. Because Absolutely. I mean, they shoot it like they're shooting it like twenty-five yards, and then all of a sudden oh, they've yeah. got a they've got a yeah. punch six hundred. You know what I mean? Absolutely. And yeah. so no, it, no, would, it would absolutely. really come in handy for that. But yeah, real world doing that. <laughs> yeah, real real world application. I just don't. I you know I don't see it. And, but again, um, you've got eight force even mounted on the rifle. You don't have to just use it. Yeah, just because yeah. you've got eight doesn't mean you have to use eight. Use one to four, and then if you yeah. want to crank it up to eight to spot or to better identify, mm -hmm. you've got sure. that ability, which is nice. 
no doubt, no doubt. Um, so yeah, we're almost at the hour and a half mark. Uh, if you guys have any more questions or comments that you want us to discuss, uh, Sean White out there says one eight is a lot for five five six. Yeah, as I'm saying, if 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 I go one eight, it's going to be like in a six five creed or three oh eight or something like that. that I'm going to reach out well past six hundred yards on um, one to four to one to six is probably going to be where I will probably enjoy. Like I said, I go get a one to six. Doesn't mean I have to use this. Then I have to use it up to four. I could use two or three three x. Uh, I'm used to three x because I, I've run this EOTech with a three x magnifier for so long that regardless, of, let's say I'm running this or one of these other one to sixes or whatever, I might just keep it on three x because that's what my eye is kind of accustomed to seeing. But having the availability to go up to six or whatever. Um, could be useful in certain situations. Um, it's not just firearms. It's if you're camping or um, whatever, if you need to be able to see something or whatever. I mean, you have certain things where you would say a binocular. If you if anything that you can sit there and say, I would use binoculars for, you could use a 1 to 6, 1 to 8, 1 to 10 uh, LPVO for that same thing. So uh, there's there's all sorts of stuff. So I've, I've enjoyed, like I said, we, we didn't go into details. This, like I said, I've got a series that's going to start out in a, in a couple of weeks. That's literally going to go the rest of the year. I'll have 15 to 20 videos through this series. So talking all LPVO stuff, which I'm really I'm looking forward to. But uh, what we did try to do tonight is kind of give you the idea of, of a red dot, Um the benefits of a red dot, the benefits of LPV, the benefits of prisms, the benefits of holographic, some of the downfalls of them, and, and say, look, what we're trying to do here is give you the options. And the great thing, you now people are going to bash on them, okay? No doubt about it. Um, but there are options out there from some of the Chinese companies that you can get into a red dot for 30 bucks. You can get into a yeah. um, a holographic. Well, I can't get really a holographic for very cheap, but an LPVO, some of them are going to be uh, less than $100. Are they going to be the greatest things in the world? No, but they're probably very good to kind of I, get an idea if you like that or not. And then, like you said before, when it comes to the thermal, but get into something to, to see if you like it. Once you figure out, yep, I like that red dot or I like LPVOs or whatever, then I'm going to go and, and, and say, okay, now that I know that I like a one to four LPVO, then I'm going to save my money and go buy a good one to four LPVO. Um, but there are so many great products out there for inexpensive. I'm not going to say cheap because it doesn't, I don't want them to sound like they're, they're terrible products. They're inexpensive. Will they have a shelf life as long as the higher end ones? Probably not. But for what you're going to be using them for to see if you like it or not, go buy yourself a $25 red dot, go buy yourself a $75 LPVO just to see if you like it. And then you can go and, and purchase something else. But that's what we're trying to do now is give you options, explain a little bit um, of what you, uh, what you're looking for. Uh, now, Steven says, let's see here. Hold on here. Um, Steven says, how about running a scope with a reflex on the 40? Now, there are a lot of people that will run an LPVO, let's say, and they're going to run it at 4X all the time or 6X all the time. And then they're going to have what they call a little canted 45-degree angle 
red dot or an RMR. A lot of people are running pistol RMRs as the 45 on a rifle because they're smaller. And they're going to use that for their 1X. So where you can go you know, here, you're at 4X, and all you got to do is that right there, and you're at 1X through that red dot. Absolutely. Um, you can most definitely do that. Um, so, yes, that that is that is something that a lot of people run is a little, and it's like I said, it's a little pistol RMR, not even a, a reflex rifle. It's a real small pistol RMR at a 45, and all that is is just a, can't boom okay now i've got my 1x magnification optic right there so uh if you're using a, a 1x magnification you're probably going inside 50 yards right typically so you don't need a big 1x optic on there you don't need a big old you know you don't need both of these go get yourself a cheap or inexpensive pistol rmr or pistol red dot there's real smaller ones Mount that on a 45 degree angle, and you have you have scope mounts that'll have that 45 um, attachment to it. You can just run it right there on it, and now you've got your one X through that little RMR, and you can run your LPV, let's say, on four or six X constantly if you want to. So yes, absolutely, you can do that. Uh, your thoughts on running a dot as your backup one X site? What do you think about that? Um, I guess. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I guess I, that's that, getting way too tactical for you. I mean, <laughs> why not dial it down to one, or why not have a th quick throw or something on it? Yeah, to sure. make it a little easier to dial it back down to one. And, I mean, you're talking about you're talking, about a, you're talking about a one to four. So I mean, you're you're right. not talking about I want to quickly go to two. Right, it's like right. you you slam it all the way one way or all the way the other. So I was like, and what he's talking about, there are attachments. So this is the dial that you dial from one to four. There's an attachment that goes on here, and it's like a little little I don't know, whatever. It's like a bolt lever. Yeah, and, <laughs> yeah. You, and instead of having to do it this way, you just grab it and boom, and it's on there. So yes, there are out there. So that you know, um, yeah. Let's see here. Uh, uh, Sean says, I've been using one of four for five years. I'm either on one or on four, never in between. Right. Exactly. There would be no reason to get a one to four if you're going to be at two all time. Just go get a, a magnifier, 2X magnifier or something, or just go and get something else that, you know, who knows. But, yeah. Um, so, Sean wants to know, with that setup, I can do CQC out to 200 yards. So, he's saying, oh, okay, his setup is – a TR24 1 to 4 with a Geisley 1.54 mount and a Reptilia micro mount with the Hollow Sun at the 12 o'clock position. So he's going to have his 1X on top and his 1 to 4 at the cant. Now, once again, there are mounts out there, and, and I think Monstro makes a really good one with a canted scope mount that you can make the, the LPVO is the canted where you run your your um, your one X up top? So yes, there are different ways. If you're planning on going one X more often than not, then yeah, maybe you want to have your primary site as a red dot and have the LPVO set at four or six on the canted to where you know it's sit here. So now all you got to do is just do that, and now your uh, you've got your your magnification. Once again, it comes down to something that Clover said and what I've said this whole time from the very beginning. Understand what you're looking for, 
what your purpose of that rifle is going to be, what you're going to be using it the most for. If you're just going to have fun plinking and you just want to do something cool, different, get whatever the hell you want. If you're using a, a rifle for a, a specific type of setup, then that's going to play a role into what optic you're going to go with. If you're going to do nothing outside of 100 or 200 yards, you're probably not going to need an LPVL. You're probably going to look at a red dot or a holographic site. Um, if you're going to look at something, you're never going to be inside 200 yards, then a red dot's not going to do you any damn good. You're going to have to go get some kind of scope with magnification, whether it's LPVO or fixed magnification scope. All of this comes into play. You have to make your decision on what your purpose is for that particular weapon system and then go from there. Don't say, I want that, that optic and then build a rifle around an optic when that optic may not be what you need at all. So, um, absolutely. Sean says his red dot is mounted on top. Oh, okay. So he's got the LPVO. He's got the mounted on top of the LPVO. I, I hey, it, it's it's pretty cool. Um, you know, I've seen those before. I don't think I would like it because at that point, for me, for me. My cheek weld's gonna have to change probably, or right. someone's gonna have to change when you when you're going in and you're engaging and you've got a, a pretty stable cheek weld, and that's where I'm gonna be looking at my primary optic to see on top of that. I'm gonna have to change that a little bit, and I don't necessarily like that. That's me personally. I'm not saying you're wrong. That's me, me personally. Do you have anything you want to bring up on that? No, I was gonna say me either, and that's why I don't. I don't get more power to you. I mean, hang everything but the kitchen sink off of it if you want. I've got an AR that's that way, right? Um, it's just the the Maul Ninja Ridiculous. It's actually my very first AR. Uh, is Maul Ninja Ridiculous with the crap hanging off of it, right? And so that that's fine uh, if you've got a use for it. But for me, it's kind of like I said earlier. If you, if you've got the one to four, why do you even need the red dot? I, I don't. I don't get it. And I would never have anything like that anyway. Now, with that being said. Um, I do have offset iron sights. Sure. But that's Absolutely. a whole different conversation whole different that yeah. if the optic goes down for some reason, I can't. And at least I've got something. Right. Right. Um, yeah, no doubt. Um, like I said, I probably wouldn't. Um, but, but I do, I, I can see we're in a CQB, um, situation where you're going to be going and i'm talking about a a, a a battle rifle having a one to four would be great but having that one x little rmr um as a backup or on a canted side will be great specifically for cqb or inside 50 yards i do see that but if you can go get a throw lever and you can go from one to four pretty damn quickly then you know chances are but also if, if you go one to four about as quick as you can can't, I would think. Probably pretty damn close. Um, the difference with something like this is going one to four, one to six. If you're doing CQB, I'm not looking, I'm not going CQB. I'm not looking through this optic when I'm going to CQB. I'm looking right on top of it. Well, I'm getting my field of view. I'm scanning. I'm scanning because my my rifle, I'm still gonna hit that target. It in it, it, it 10 yards or less in CQB. So I'm not going to be going scanning a house through this optic. Anyway. I'm going to look right on top of it um, without having to change a cheek weld or anything. You know, it's just, it's going to be right here, you know? Um, but yeah, he said, it's not going to change much. 
because of the reptilia mount because it brings the red dot to 1.93 scope, which is a third co-witness. So if you're going to use it, yeah, uh, we're going to go into co-witnessing or third co-witnessing. Um, it is what it is, but it, it, when you hear when you hear co-witnessing, what that means is if you've got if you're running on um, I uh, I don't say iron sights, but iron sights basically, um, and you're talking about a true co-witness, then what you're going to be talking about is your dot. When you're zeroing in that dot, you're going to basically if your front post on that front sight, and here's the red dot here. You're basically going to have that dot sitting on top of that front post like an eye, like it's dotting the eye, but it's actually going to be touching that. That's going to be a co-witness red dot. A third co-witness is where it's going to be, if this is the scope or the glass, the front sight's going to be in that lower one-third where you're still, it's going to be above that front sight. It all depends on what you like. I don't particularly like going to uh, uh, an absolute co-witness with a dot and, and, and irons. Um, now, you could you should zero it that way, but I'm probably going to flip down those, if, if they're flip up front sights, I'm going to flip down those sights and just run the dot unless I have to go with the the, the, the rear and front sight. Um, because for me, if, I, if I'm going to absolute co-witness my dot on iron sights, then I'm probably just going to use iron sights at that point because – the mind's eye is going to, you're going to take that extra half second saying, Hey, is that dot right on top of that front sight post? Boom, I'm dead. So that's just me. Um, do you like to one third or absolute co witness any of your, your optics, Clover? Uh, yeah, it's, it's usually, it, they're usually lollipop if they're that way. Okay. Because yeah. that's, I'm used to lollipop with, uh, with competition stuff. So, hmm. yeah. Yeah, but, but uh, very few. I mean, most of my stuff that has optics, I'll be quite honest. Most of my stuff that has optics don't they don't have irons. Right. Uh, they're, they're not. And they're not up all the time. They're right? not used in a capacity where irons are going to be anywhere near efficient anyway. Right. Sure. And they're not used in a capacity where it's, it's a critical situation where I'm going to need irons. Right. If you're talking my long range bolt rifle, what good is irons going to do me? Right. Yeah, right. Seriously. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so yeah. All right. We go an hour and 40 minutes. Um, like I said, if there are any more questions out there, go ahead and, and leave them out there. And while we're waiting for those questions, I'm gonna let you go and take a few minutes and and I know you got a lot of stuff you're working on. You got a lot of stuff coming down the line. You want to tell people where they can find you, but what you know, with a podcast and all that. But what projects do you have coming in the line that my, people might be uh, looking towards? If I if I told you, I'd have to kill you. Well, so, okay. You know okay. how that you know how that goes, right? Now, um, well, I mean, here's the thing. I mean, when we when we kick this off, and I can't we we've gone for an hour and forty minutes. Holy crap! And, and we just yeah. we've just broke the surface. We've, we've scratched the surface. We haven't that. talked long range. We haven't Nothing. talked really talked night vision and stuff. We've and none as of that as you can get. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Um, so it's crazy. You could do, you could do a show every week for a year on optics, uh, and break and break it out and still talk two hours of show. Um, no, as I said earlier, uh, the last video from shooting Sports showcase dropped today. Uh, I know folks, some folks are probably sick of that. Uh, and the starting, I guess Sunday it would be, 
uh, we're kind of back on the regular schedule of two two videos a week. So the regularly scheduled programming is coming. I've got uh, the Heritage Barkeep that's here. Uh, some stuff on that's coming. I've got also that light you mentioned from Axion. Uh, a little different take, a little different video than the other ones I've seen that are out there. More to come on that. I'm not going to give that definitely, away. Definitely different than my take on that light. Not saying yeah. the take, but different style of video. More different information than my own. Right. Uh, you know. I've got some more coming on that Gerson MC312 Sport Shotgun. Um, good gravy. I got some stuff, some range improvement stuff uh, coming. And then I guess it was last week I talked with I've talked with several companies as you said earlier. This is starting to get into the busy time of year. Oh, yeah. um, and so I've got several companies. More to come on that. I don't want to whatever i don't want to jump the gun or put the cart before, before the horse on that till stuff actually starts showing up right, right um right. especially not with the market the way it is nowadays because you never know uh, yes. i swear i get an email every week from mossberg and she's like i'm sorry um, we don't have anything yet i'm sorry i'm sorry and i'm like i understand it's it's all good it. it's all good whenever you get you know the opportunity get time i'm here i'm willing to, to work with it just let me know um but yeah, I got a couple of, uh, it's coming contingent upon just, uh, the market and these companies being able to get things in, um, right. you know, a couple of the pretty cool things in the work for the future. Um, now all of that will roll out. And then of course we'll go to Tulsa in less than two weeks and there'll be video from Tulsa. That'll take over the uh, channel there for probably yeah. a week or two. <laughs> so, yeah. Uh, yeah. there says we'll see us in a week and a half in Tulsa. Mars says who's in Tulsa? Wanamaker Tulsa Arms Show. It's the largest gun show in the world. It's a two day event. They hold it twice a year in Tulsa, Oklahoma. It's seven acres of a of a, of a gun show under one roof. I thought Four it was eleven acres. Eleven acres. You're right. Eleven acres under one roof. Over Air conditioned thousand booths. Twenty to twenty-five thousand people a day are, are in that place. It's a madhouse, but it is as American as it gets. And yeah. we've been there. We've been going there since twenty what sixteen, twenty seventeen, something like that. Twenty sixteen or twenty. It's been four or five years. Yeah. Yeah. It's been four or yeah. five years. It's awesome. It's awesome place. And we're all gonna Clover and I are gonna be there. Snob will be there. A bunch of us will be there. We're gonna have. We'll be doing. We'll be there as media, but we'll have our own table there. Come find us. Um, make sure you come by, stop by the table. If we're not there, leave us a note and say, Hey, I'm here. Um, right. We'll or better you. yet, go out what to dinner been, this or whatever, you know, or what I've been telling people, I don't know that we can go out to dinner. Uh, was talking with Wes. I hadn't seen him out there in the chat tonight, but was kind of talking yeah. with him about it. He lives there close. He lives in Glenpool, which is close yeah. about like a suburb basically. But he was saying that it was some of Tulsa. Now snob did say that Tulsa, the mayor's wishy-washy there. But he said that they were talking about potentially lifting some restrictions the Friday of the show, right? So the Friday before the show opens on Saturday. So yeah. if that happens, this may change. But right now, they do have the mask mandate. And also, Wes said that there are restrictions in restaurants. So I don't know that we can have a big oh, really? get-together. But uh, what, I, what I've been saying is we'll get the food we'll to grab go. It and, we'll, and we'll go somewhere and eat and together. We will. We could sit in the lobby of a hotel or we can sit out in the parking lot or whatever we got to do and eat it. Yep. Right. Um, what else was I going to say? Oh, what I've been telling people, uh, donkey puncher, you know, anybody else, if you're planning on making that show, uh, get with myself, get with ghost exchange phone numbers. That way Absolutely. we can text that way you can text and say, Hey, where are you guys at? Hey, where's the table? And we can let you know, because until Friday evening, the Friday before the show, 
I think won't we know what our is, but we, we think we I got a well, I've got a general idea where it's going to be. It's going to be right. on that uh, on that northwest quadrant um, against the outer wall, but I don't know the table number. So, you know, if you'll touch base with one of us, swap uh, numbers, then I can turn around and um, or one of us can and just text you, you and let you know. Go. Yeah. Now he yeah. wants to know is that Wes that has a shop in Bristol? Does Wes have a shop in Bristol? Oh, that's a good question. I don't think I don't so. Yeah, I don't um, think so. I don't if know. If you're out here, he's on, he's on a lot of different people's chats on his Weston Probst. Uh, you'll you'll see him out there. Yeah. Um, I don't know if he owns a shopper. I know he he just goes every year, uh, twice a year to right. uh, because he lives right there. So we, uh, but yeah, but if you're there, yeah, if you're at our table, uh, be looking for someone who's walking around with cameras. There's only going to be several of a handful of us there with cameras. Uh, myself, Clover, Snob, and maybe two or three others, maybe at this point. Um, so but if you, and, but if you, but if you're out there and you do, if you do create content or you want to take the opportunity this time to start, it doesn't have to be video. Uh, doesn't have to be video. It could be maybe if you want to Instagram some stuff or whatever, right? Um, we, we can share, we can share media passes and the more people we've got putting out mm -hmm. content from there, the better. So again, touch base with us and let us know, Hey, I want to do that. You don't want to get caught taking pictures without uh, a media pass because they're, they get pretty okay. huffy about that, but, <laughs> but we can hook you up. Yeah. Um, awesome. Um, been fun tonight. Like I said, I, I looked up at the thing. I saw an hour and 40 plus minutes and I was like, man, we have literally, um, we haven't said our ABCs. We haven't even gotten to B yet. Um, and Sean was like, "There, you could do a whole year on long range. You could, you could. That wouldn't be my chat because I'm ignorant when it comes to long range. Uh, I'm not that guy." Um, Donkey says, "I'll send a message on Instagram with his number." Yeah, send it. I think there's a way you can add Clover and myself in that Instagram message. So that way, we both have your number. Um, you can just text me directly. Go to clovertech.com, the web's got. Or scroll, you can text me. My number scrolling right down right. there. You can right. text the number and it goes to uh, my phone. So, right. Right. There you go. However. Um, yeah. However you want to do it, but get us, get a hold of us. We'll, we're going to be there. Uh, we'll get in Friday evening, early evening sometime. And I'm probably going to leave. Oh, one-ish usually is that about, about one -ish is when i usually leave on sundays unless something's going on but usually by one-ish or two-ish i'm out of there get home by dinner time and uh, it's only about three and a half four hours for me so i'll be, I'll be there till it's over and get home about yeah. midnight one o'clock <laughs> yeah. i have to work the next morning so i can't do that no i understand i understand uh, yeah um but yeah we're gonna be there um that guy's wife will be there. I forgot to mention her. I've still got to um, get with uh, I've still got to get it with Krispy Kreme. The the Wendy's, uh, frosty, the Wendy's and frosty and Krispy Kreme donuts has to be a thing. That has to happen. Yeah, that, that's gonna be. And we've got to come up with a really cool hashtag for that exact thing. Mm -hmm. uh, the Krispy Frost, or I don't know. We have the cream, the frost. I don't know. We got to come the up crusty, with the Krusty. The Krusty. The the the, the Krusty. Uh. Frosty cream. Yeah. Yeah. I like that. I like it. But we're definitely gonna have to make that happen for sure. I had to get my, my water burgers. I don't have water burger around here. So um yeah, there's several people that are talking looking. about that have never had a water burger. I, I think, think it was, it was uh, Papa. Papa I think Alpha, it was, right? I think it was Papa, yeah. 
and uh, never had a Whataburger. So we're going to indoctrinate them into the wonderful world of, of Whataburger yep. while we're there. Because there's a Whataburger right across basically the street from um, Wanamaker. So uh, yep. fantastic. If you're going to be coming in there early, uh, I'm not going to go there anymore. Uh, not anymore, but not, not this trip. And I know Clover isn't. Um, but if, if you're interested, we've been so many times. It's, it's, it's scary how many times we've gone. But if you're interested... About 20, 30 minutes from Tulsa, you've got the J.M. Davis Museum. If you're willing to come in early, it's free. You just leave a 5 or $10, $20 donation. It's it's a free museum. It's the largest private gun collection that's on display in the in the, in the country or in the world. It's the, one of the two. In the country, as far as I know, the world, I'm yeah. not sure. Um, and it's, it's amazing. Not, it is free, however... They yeah. keep it open based on donations, and they do have because a donation said, box. Five so, twenty dollar donation, absolutely. Yeah, so kick I mean, in bucks in there. Worth, it's yeah. twenty bucks. It's well worth twenty bucks. You'll spend. You can spend all literally all day. We've done it before. We've literally spent uh, all day there. We've not seen it all, by the way. Yeah, no, there's uh, no way. There's no way. Yeah, it's an amazing place. So if if you're able to get in there. Uh, a day ahead on Friday, and you want to spend the Saturday and Sunday the gun show. If you're able to come in Friday, get there and go to the J.M. Davis Museum. Just put in your Google Maps or iPhone, whatever. J.M. Davis Museum. Clover and I both have no telling how many videos from J.M. Davis over the years. Yeah. It is so worth it to go. And There's I'll, also the uh, the was it the Will Rogers the Will Museum? Rogers Museum. Yeah, uh, you know like, I want to get. Away. You know, I want to get back. I want to get back to Jam Davis eventually, and oh, you know, maybe yeah. maybe November. I might look into it. Um, you know, but it's been. I mean, crap. We didn't do anything last year at all, and then the year before that, I don't think we went either, if memory serves. So you know, it's been a couple of years, um, and, and I would love to get back into Jam Davis. I've got a little better camera set up and gear, and know how to work with the. Uh, yeah. Because that's the thing is getting content in there. It's it's not the greatest place. So but I've got I've got some ideas of some cool things I can do with content in there now. Uh just having the experience, right? We we've got a lot more experience under our belt than we did when we were last in there. Yeah. So yeah. uh we could do I think I could do some cool content from there. So, you know, my plan is to maybe November, maybe get down there a day early and spend all day Friday at Jam Davis. Absolutely. Um, yeah, November will probably be a good one because uh, I'll be able to leave. I think what I did before is leave around six in the morning and get up there right as it opened at 10. Um, and if I got there early, then G Webs and I would go eat. And I think you would eat this one time. We'd go eat breakfast before we were waiting on you. We try to make it to where we got there right around 10 o'clock when it opened so we could just go in and spend all day. Um, it's only four, like I said, three and a half, four hours for me. So I think it's four hours to J.M. Davis, three and a half to Tulsa. Um, but yeah, it's, it's definitely worth it. But yeah, if you guys are have nothing to do, uh, not this coming weekend, but the weekend after that, it's Masters weekend, I know. But if you got nothing else to do and you're anywhere within driving distance or manageable distance to Tulsa, come to J.M. Davis. I mean, come, come to Wanamaker. And uh, make sure you come find us as well because we're going to be there and we'll have a lot of friends out there. We'll be Clover and I will both be doing some booth appearances at like gun cleaners and uh, Black Rand. You probably, I know you've got gun cleaners, but you probably have uh, a lot of your target companies. Outdoor products. Yeah, products. Yeah, outdoor products plus high caliber targets. High yeah. caliber targets. So, you know, go look for a lot of the companies that you see us talk about. 
Um, even if we're not there, tell them, hey, I, I saw yourself on Clover's video or Ghost video or whatever Definitely. and all of that, and that'll make their day. So, uh, yeah. You got anything else you want to talk about or bring up before we get out of here? I don't Not that I'm aware of, no. All right. It's been an awesome two-hour chat. We thank you guys for watching. Uh, in about five minutes, go over to Sandhill Shooter and check out the Get Off My Lawn podcast. I think I saw a, a notification that maybe Budget went live a little while ago. So go check out Budget over at Budget Guns and Gear Reviews. Um, so real quick, just to jump in yeah. here because you mentioned you mentioned Sandy. So Sandy, I know Nebraska's gun freak shows that you're out there, yeah. freak. Uh, Sandy said over Sand Hill Shooters, what Ghost was talking about, the Get Off My Lawn mm -hmm. podcast, uh, said he wanted you to get in touch with him. So, Oh, there you go. Reach out to him, please. There you go. Thank you. All right. Uh, other than for that, like I said, we've got uh, we got a bunch of we've got some really cool stuff going. We got the survival series we're still working on. We've got this LPVO series. We've got so many things. It, it, like like I said, this is the time of year that it can get overwhelming because you go through a few month lull of nothing, and then it's like everything happens at once, and it, it's crazy. Uh, plus, working you know 60, 70 hours a week. Um, on top of it for at work is is throwing a little hitch into it. We've got a big project we got going on at work, and it's crazy. Um, but other than that, yeah. Also, I want to say this is we've been doing some work. Uh, we, we started a couple weeks ago, last week or yes, whenever it was. We put two videos out. We're doing some work for gun deals, gun deals. If you're not familiar with gun deals, it's a it's a cool website. They do not actually sell firearms, but what they do is they go and search the internet for the best deals currently for different guns you go to the gun.deals and search whatever gun you're looking for and they're going to give you a list of the best deals out there uh and they put them all in one place for you so it's kind of like ammo seek but for guns and all that they do have ammo they do have optics they have accessories they have everything all on that one site that you can search for so go check them out and uh, go check out their youtube pages gun deals all one word gun deals and uh yeah so we've been doing some work we, we put a couple of videos out for them so uh, enjoying that relationship is kind of new, but it is it is interesting. Donkey says, "Do you have a Freddy's in Arkansas? If not, a side by side comparison of Whataburger to definitely need it. I've never even heard of Freddy's, so obviously, I don't think we have Freddy's I've here in Arkansas. Been to, I've been to Freddy's, um, Whataburger what hands down. Whataburger okay, hands down. Yeah. Now yeah. we're from we're both Texans, so we have a special. Yeah, I mean, it may be skewed. It may be skewed." Yeah, it may be skewed with me, quite honestly. It could be. Uh, Whataburger, to me, is in a lot more locations than Freddy's. I do know around here there's there, there are two Freddy's. He's talking about, like, Freddy's. can't remember the I name. I never of heard of them. I never heard of them. Um, it's like Freddy's. Probably, I, but I've been, I've been out of Texas or something? since 1994, or, and I came back for a couple of years, late 90s after I got out. But Freddy's probably wasn't around. If they were, I never. Because once again, if I if I want to go to a fast food burger joint, it's Whataburger. Yeah, Freddy's. If I can find one. Yeah, Freddy's frozen custard and steak burgers. That kind of sounds pretty good, though. Yeah, that's what that is. And so, yeah, yeah. there's one about an hour from me. Uh, but yeah, it. it I, I'd rather have, I'd rather have Whataburger. But I grew up on Whataburger, so I'm the same way. Exactly. Whataburger, <laughs> so. It is what it water, is. Water, W-A-T-E-R. Water burger. I, I gotta find my water burger patch to bring to Tulsa. I guess, don't I? Oh, I love mine. Mine's always on my bag when I go somewhere. Yeah, no, mine, mine's not always on. But I don't have to find it because because of forty five alpha. We're gonna have to 
We're gonna have to, uh, to to definitely do the Waterburger patch uh, uh-huh. for this bag. So, yep. all right, guys, uh, thank you so much for watching. If you're watching live, thank you so much. Thank you all the patrons out there, all my channel members. We love you guys. Uh, thanks for everyone hanging out for the last two hours live with us. If you're watching in replay or watching or listening in podcast, God bless you. I hope you uh, don't get bored too easily. But I think it was an interesting conversation. Once again. It doesn't have to stop here. Utilize. If you have any questions or comments, go ahead and utilize the comment section below. We will get those answered. I promise you. And uh, if you have any questions, email me, call me, text me whenever. I'm not saying that I'm going to answer it right then, but within 24 hours, I typically answer everything. So uh, let me know any questions you have or anything, or tell me that I'm an idiot. I I love hearing that I'm an idiot because I get told that every day by my wife. So I'm used to it. Um, but let us know what you think of optics, what you guys are using and all that. If you have any questions, like I said, let us know either myself or CloverTech. Um, we're both very easy to find and, and we'll have no problem answering whatever questions you have. So guys, thank you so much for watching. We will talk to you soon. Simplify.